Did you know that there are structures in the universe bigger than galaxies and they're all drifting towards the same unknown source? This week on Space But Messier. All right, welcome everyone. Tony here with Spaceboat Messier, and I am not joined by co-hosts today just because we couldn't figure out timing and it's been a crazy week. But this episode is, is really, really interesting, and I wanted to make sure I got this out. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Today we are talking about the large-scale structure of the universe. And this includes things like clusters, superclusters, voids, filaments, walls, something called the Great Attractor, and all of this contributing to this idea of dark flow. Before we dive into that, I told you last time that we were doing something new, and I promise I won't barrage you with ads, but last time I told you that if you subscribed or supported us on Patreon, that we would give you a shout out and relay any message that you want. So last week, uh, one of our good friends, Shane Tatu, decided to support us. And so now we're going to spread his message. Um, Shane says, I want people to do more research on autism. If people want to donate, the top rated charity is the Organization for Autism Research. But mainly I bring this up because I feel like I've heard the term autistic used as a joking insult way too much. And as someone with an autistic brother, it sucks to hear that because it's so clearly used out of a place of ignorance. Autistic people are so painfully misunderstood. I truly feel lucky and blessed to have an autistic brother. He's a gift to our family, and I wish more people understood more about autism. On a lighter note, add that the Astros are cheaters and the Dodgers deserve to win the 2017 World Series. The end. Oh wait, not done. Don't know if this counts as too political, so feel free to exclude this. I'm clearly not excluding it, Shane. But when the anti-vax movement uses the fact that vaccines may cause autism and they'd prefer their child to be subject to deadly diseases than have them be autistic, it feels like a stab in my chest every time. The end. Everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. Shane, thank you for that awesome message. You support us on Patreon, so we will share your message. Shane's a really, really good friend of mine. And Shane, if you're listening, I just want to say thank you for serving our country. Um, You are super brave, and I can't wait to see you in August. Okay, moving on. Um, That segment can be yours. If you'd like to donate on Patreon, you can do it for up to a dollar a month, or as little as a dollar a month. So check it out. And there's some cool perks to doing it too. So let's get back to the science. So we're talking about these things, uh, voids, filaments, and, and we'll get into all that. But the main thing here is that there are structures bigger than galaxies that exist in our universe. So let's let's start with a scale that we have. You know, we've got humans, buildings, skyscrapers, all this stuff. We'll, we'll start with planet Earth. Um, we've got planet Earth. Then we have larger planets like Saturn, Uranus. Actually, the world of Minecraft is actually about the similar surface area as Saturn and Uranus, which is cool. Then a little larger than that, you have Jupiter and super small stars or planets like Jupiter. Above that, you have normal stars. Above that, you have exploded stars like nebulae. Above that, you have star clusters. Then 
larger than that, you have our Milky Way galaxy, which is the one that we live in, and that's approximately 120,000 light years across. Above that, you have the local group, which is the cluster, a small, small cluster of galaxies that we live in, and it's about 10 million light years across, or so we estimate. Larger than that, uh, the, since the local group is just a group of galaxies, the next step above that is called a cluster. And so a, a good example is called the Virgo cluster, which is 30 million light years across, about three times the size of our local group. And it's the largest cluster of galaxies in what we have as the next size up, which is a supercluster. Yeah, we're getting real creative here with names. The Virgo supercluster is 110 million light years across, and it contains over 100 galaxy clusters, Virgo being the biggest. I know I'm saying all these terms, clusters, this, that, and the other. We'll break it down, but I'm just trying to give you an idea of the scale. Um, we actually, scientists thought we belonged to the Virgo supercluster at one point, but more recent observations point to the Virgo cluster as being part of an even larger supercluster known as Laniakea. So this Laniakea supercluster is half a billion light years across and 10,000 trillion times the mass of our sun. I'm going to let that sink in. <laughs> 10,000 trillion times the mass of our sun. This thing is massive. And just as massive, if not bigger, is the Eridanus supervoid, which is an area of space that is cooler than the cosmic microwave background temperature. We'll get into that again. But basically, a supervoid is a place where almost no stars or galaxies exist. And then we have, at the very top, we have this thing called the Sloan Great Wall, which is a filament or wall of galaxies that lies approximately a billion light years from us. Now, that was a lot of names of a lot of big things that I didn't know much of before I started researching for this, and I don't expect you to as well. So I'm going to dive into all of that, and there's some really, really cool stuff going on on the large scale of the, um, of the universe. So let's break this down a little further. We have groups of stars, and those form star clusters. Then groups of star clusters can form galaxies. Groups of galaxies can form clusters, not to be confused with star clusters, just clusters, like galaxy clusters. And then these groups of clusters form superclusters. Now, these superclusters of galaxies connect and exist in this map of galaxies, this huge map of galaxies called, kind of unofficially called the cosmic web. And it kind of literally looks like a web. It has like filaments and voids where, you know, if you were to look at like a spider web, you can kind of think, think of it like that. The, the galaxies string together where the web would be, and the voids are where there's empty space. Then you have really thick parts of the web, which we call walls. And then these huge, huge, thick, gravitationally dominant areas, which we call great walls, like the one I mentioned earlier called Sloan Great Wall. And so our galaxy lies on the very edge of one of these voids on the Lanakea supercluster. But even though the universe is expanding, there seems to be a common direction to everything in the universe's movement. It's in this direction, or rather, it's, it's in the direction of Centaurus and the Hydra constellations. And it also happens to be in the direction of the Norma cluster of galaxies. If you happen to know where those are, that's the direction of it. Um, now, these things are not the source of where we're moving, um, but it's kind of it's kind of in that line of sight. So let's expand on this. No pun intended on the expansion of the universe. 
now we've learned that that all space is expanding right so we have galaxies in clusters that are interacting gravitationally kind of like how andromeda might collide with ours someday uh, but for the most part all of space is expanding now you have you know our solar system which will never expand the space in between our planets will not expand enough in the lifetime of our solar system to detach from each other our sun will die off and explode and kill all of us far beyond that happens but the gravity inside of our solar system is enough to keep us together now the gravity inside of our local group which involves or includes the milky way galaxy and andromeda and two other um, clouds the gravity there is enough to keep us together so we're actually merging with andromeda we're, we're not going to expand the space in between us will not expand but outside of this outside of this local group of galaxies space is expanding between us this is something that has been kind of widely accepted for a while now um, and it turns out that all this expanding space is also moving towards a specific point in space like we mentioned earlier now this point in space was called the great attractor now while the further away you look space is expanding more rapidly there is a point in the sky where space is expanding but less rapidly. So the scientific shorthand we'll use to describe that is that it's moving in that direction because if it's expanding um, less rapidly, that means that there's something pulling in that direction. Um, and I know that, I, I, you know, without a co-host here to kind of bounce things off of, this may be a little dense. I'm not, um, I'm not necessarily reading. I'm, I have these bullet points, and so I'm sorry if this is moving really fast for you. Um, but, you know, let me know whether you comment on the podcast or there's going to be a YouTube video with this as well. Let me know what you think. If this is a style that is too hard to follow or if you want more of this style, let me know. There's literally no way for me to know um, unless you tell me. So some quick note I want to do real quick, though, is I kind of want to take a break from the notes here and talk about this expansion of the universe. Um, and this may not grant me much respect in the scientific community, but that's okay. I want to tell you guys something about or tell you about something that I'm really not quite sure about. And maybe I just need to read more about the expansion of the universe. But for those of you who don't know, when they did the research for the expanding universe, they basically looked at what was called the Doppler shift. And so we've, we've done an episode on this before, but basically when, you know how when you hear a, a siren coming towards you, you're on the street and you hear a siren, like a police car or a fire engine and the sound that the siren makes as it approaches you it sounds different than it sounds when it's leaving you that's because the the sound waves are kind of being pushed and accelerated towards you as they're coming you know closer to you and then as they're leaving you they're kind of being stretched in this way so in this way when you look at spectral lines of objects in our universe if things are moving toward us the light we get the light we read on a spectrometer is shifted towards the blue end of the spectrum and if it's moving away from us it shifts towards the red end of the spectrum and this is sometimes how we see um, that you know let's see stars maybe a binary star system these stars are orbiting each other is because 
the the light that we receive from that star if we point it our spectrometer at it for long enough it'll kind of move on the axis of spectral lines it'll be towards blue one end and towards red on the other end and that means that it's moving away from us and towards us away from us and towards us which tells us that it's orbiting something which is really really cool so what they actually noticed though is that when they looked out at every single thing in the universe everything was red shifted just a little bit which means that everything was moving away from us and not that we're the center of the galaxy or the i'm sorry the center of the the universe but everything was moving away from everything it's like if you were to draw you know a piece of sharpie or rather draw a dot with a sharpie on a balloon and then you blew up the balloon the space in which you colored will move away from every part of that balloon because space inside of it is expanding so they know it's expanding but then they made a discovery that the rate at which it expands is is growing as well so the rate is accelerating so let's let's say that they they look at a star or a galaxy really close by and it's red shifted they'd actually look at further galaxies and almost proportional to its distance the further away they looked the more red shifted these galaxies were which they took to mean that the further out we look the faster they're moving away from us so this must mean that if the ones close to us are moving at a certain speed and the ones further away from us are moving even faster then that must mean that the the further out you move the faster you move which means that your speed must be growing the further out you move i may have lost some people i, I may think i just lost myself there so that's what's currently agreed upon now to me my main question for those scientists and this is something i've been wanting to ask for a long time i should just look it up i have the computer right in front of me but it's more fun to do it this way you know when we look at these stars we are looking at the light that they sent us all those years ago you know when we're looking at something 13 billion light years away we're looking at the light that they that came off that planet 13 billion years ago so my question is is if we're looking into the past versions of these planets wouldn't that mean that we're looking into their redshift at the time they sent that light so wouldn't that mean that they were redshifted more heavily earlier in their life meaning that they moved faster away from us earlier in their life than they currently are now which means that the expansion would be slowing now this isn't a fact or a discovery or anything like that it's simply a question i think Maybe I'm not understanding the expansion correctly, but I just wanted to take a break from this large structure talk to just tell you about something I've been wondering for a long time. So if any of you have an answer on that, <laughs> let me know. I'm definitely going to be looking it up after this. It's just not something I've read a lot about. But anyway, I digress. Um, scientists know that, that space is expanding. The cool part about all this, like I mentioned before that tangent, was even though it's expanding, it's all kind of filtering. It's all kind of you know, drifting towards one spot, almost as if there's this huge black hole on the other side of the universe. 
So there's a specific way in which we know that all this is happening. So we know this because of the cosmic microwave background radiation, also called the CMBR, or more shorthand nowadays, they call it the CMB, cosmic microwave background. And that sounds pretty confusing. I, I know a lot of you know what that is, but it's basically the glow of radiation left over from the Big Bang. You can kind of think of it as like when, when the Big Bang happened, it like stained the sky of this this kind of like map. Um, it, it, well, we mapped it out, but it's this glow, this heat, it's like 2.7 Kelvin all around the galaxy. It's fairly uniform and we can kind of use it as our guide. So what, what scientists did is they, they measured the CMB, uh, which is the level of microwave radiation behind these massive clusters of galaxies. And what you would expect is that it should read as the normal CMB would, plus whatever the effect of the cluster's Doppler shift had on it. So for instance, the direction and rate at which the cluster is accelerating affects the energy of the CMB that passes through it um, to get to us. So from that data, we can know where all the superclusters are going. And by surveying clusters in every direction, uh, the scientist named Kashlinsky and his colleagues discovered that every bit of matter around us is actually moving towards something huge and extremely far away. So everything we see in our Laniakea supercluster is moving towards the constellations, like I said earlier, Centaurus and Hydra. And like I said before, it's moving in their direction. Um, it's it's more moving towards something far beyond those those constellations that's pulling everything else toward it. Now, this is what we defined earlier as the great attractor. It's this point of unbelievably strong gravitational attraction. About they think it's about two hundred million light years away. So that was our understanding for a long time. So we've got this, this huge you know structure, this filament, this cosmic web if you will i really i really encourage you guys to look this up if you haven't yet look up uh, laniakea and it's i mean if you spell it incorrectly it'll still correct you l-a-n-i-a-k-e-a -A -A. um oh my gosh there's a siren outside my window <laughs> i mean god bless whoever that's going towards but that just made me think of the the redshift anyway okay um sorry i where was I? Um, <laughs> look up the Laniakea supercluster. Look up any supercluster. Look up Cosmic Web. Look at the shape of what these these uh, clusters look like. It it kind of reminds me of the, you know, like these filaments is like in Finding Nemo when they're on the reef, and then you know there's all this really colorful like all these plants and all these things like that, and then the reef it just kind of it's the drop off right, and then there's nothing. And if you look at where the Milky Way galaxy is, it kind of looks like that. We've got all this activity behind us, all these stars and galaxies, and then there's nothing. It's just this void of absolutely nothing. I, I really encourage you to look it up. The pictures or the models that, that they've predicted it looks like is, is incredible. So this great attractor, which is a super cool name, unfortunately, they, they used that name up on something that isn't really the great attractor. Later, we learned that whatever is pulling everything in one direction has to be much, much, much larger. And this introduces this idea of dark flow. Now, dark flow is still a theory. It's not proven by any means. Um, 
but dark flow is what they call this movement of all um, all matter towards a specific area and just a, a clarification on the word dark too you know you hear these terms dark energy and dark matter and now dark flow in astronomy or astrophysics the word dark means that we don't know much about it it doesn't actually mean that it's void of light or or like physically dark all it means is that we we have almost no knowledge about it like scientists can tell you more of what they don't know about dark energy than what they do know so dark matter and dark energy it's not because it doesn't react with light it's because we don't know much about it so enter dark flow like dark flow is just means this flow of, of matter that we don't know much about so according to outerspacecentral.com, which is where I took this next uh, snippet of information from, back to that uh, scientist that I told you about, in 2005, astronomers conducting an X-ray survey of part of the sky known as the Clusters in the Zone of Avoidance, another super cool name. Uh, the Zone of Avoidance used to be that area of the sky um, that is blocked. Uh, it blocks our view. I'm sorry. It's the area of the sky where, if you were to look at it, our view is blocked by our own Milky Way. And the zone of avoidance is a little, um, how should I say, um, it leads you, I don't know what the word I'm trying to say is. Um, it's misleading, sorry, wow, go figure. All it means is that your eyes can't look there because there's something in the way, so our view needs to be avoided it's kind of a weird explanation there uh, but basically they were looking they were taking an x-ray survey of behind our milky way which you can do x-rays can can go through that and you can read them but these scientists reported that the great attractor was actually only one tenth of the mass that scientists had originally estimated would need to exist to move everything in that direction the survey also determined that the milky way is in fact being pulled towards a much more massive cluster of galaxies, the Shapley super, super cluster. Uh, and that's located in that same general direction, but far beyond the Great Attractor. So the center of the Shapley supercluster is about 650 million light years from Earth, whereas the Great Attractor is about 200 million light years. Let, let's just think about that real quick. So you're standing on planet Earth, you feel Earth's gravity, that's what keeps you planted, right? Then we have you know, satellites that we launch into space into orbit, and they have to be the perfect speed to go into orbit, and you can actually launch them too fast, and they'll escape orbit. But that's like, that's nowhere even near. That's, that's miles. And the Shapley supercluster is 650 million light years from Earth, and it's still having a gravitational effect on us. So this supercluster, so we've got we've got Laniakea supercluster, which we are involved in, then we've got this void, and then we've got Shapley supercluster. It consists of 17 clusters, um, and it, there's this, or rather, I'll let you look it up. Go ahead and look it up. It's, it's kind of really well laid out how they have this model. But basically, it's the most massive known structure in the observable universe, uh, topping the list at, of the 20, or rather, I think it's 220 known superclusters. The Shapley supercluster is four times as massive as the Great Attractor and more than 40 million billion times the mass of our sun. Now, the size of Shapley supercluster has led many to speculate that this supercluster may be the major ingredient in our galaxy's speed in that direction due to the strong pull of gravity. 
that maybe it's the attractor for all of our surrounding galaxies as well. So this question has led to a great deal of speculation about the source of this supposed dark flow in our local space. So now we'll dive into dark flow, what, what our current understanding is of it. And I want to be upfront. I have knew about the superclusters. I knew about voids and filaments. Doing research for this episode is the first time I've heard of dark flow, and it was really exciting. Uh, dark energy is the most fascinating part of astrophysics to me. So another area we don't know too much about is just as exciting. So dark flow was discovered in 2008 by Alexander Kashlinsky of NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. And he determined that dark flow is a streak of irregularity in a universe that is otherwise as uniform as a rising loaf of bread. So perhaps the dark flow of our galaxies towards the Shapley supercluster represents the result of a gravitational tug from a region beyond the observable universe? We still don't know. This interaction would have occurred super early in cosmic history, long before the universe grew. But that that right there, that what Keshlinsky thought, that maybe it's not the Shapley supercluster. Maybe it's something even beyond that. How could something outside of the observable universe be pulling us away? So... First, we thought that the universe was expanding. Then we thought there was this thing 200 million light years away called the Great Attractor that was pulling at us. Then scientists realized that that can't have been strong enough to pull us. Then they found the Shapley supercluster, which was 650 million light years away. And then in 2008, at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, Kaczynski says, no, it may be something outside of the observable universe. So this is where we get, this is, I think this is probably the most complicated we'll get here. I know that I've probably been super hard to follow, but like I said, it's the first time we're doing it like this, so let me know. This is where we get into gravity as a graviton. So current scientific understanding puts the speed of gravity at the speed of light. So this means that if, if Jupiter suddenly disappeared, we would feel its gravitational effect for an hour or so. And if the sun disappeared, we would still feel its effect for like 8 minutes and 20 seconds. So that's that's how long it takes for light to get to Earth. So if the sun disappeared right now, we would still have light for 8 minutes. Because the light that was there right before it vanished is still traveling to us. So the same is true for gravity. So now that we have that, let's remember this idea of the universe expanding. Let's say there was all the known matter in the universe at one point. Uh, we call this the Big Bang, of course, or the singularity. Then it expanded away from everything else. Now, while everything was still close to each other, or expanding, but closer than we are now, every galaxy could feel every other gra galaxy's gravitational pull. But as it expanded further, and the rate at which it expanded increased, apparently, meaning as time went on, things moved away from us faster, something peculiar happened. Just as if Jupiter zoomed away from us instantly, and by when I say something peculiar happened, I mean hypothetically or theoretically. Just as if Jupiter zoomed away from us instantly, we could still feel it and still see it. The same goes for the supposed source of huge gravity outside of our observable universe. Whatever it was was so great that it is still affecting everything in our visible universe gravitationally. Now, there's a key word here, everything in our known universe. 
the distance a galaxy is away from us is proportional to how quickly it's accelerating away from us. So if we were to use our planets as a scale, it would be like Mars moving away from us faster and faster by the second, but with a slow rate of acceleration. And if Pluto was moving away from us faster and faster with every second, it'll accelerate even faster in proportion to how far away it is, right? So we, we talked about that earlier with the redshift. So the, first, the further something is away, the faster it's moving away from us. The reason why this is validated in this theory is because there is a place we call the cosmological horizon where objects in space are moving away from us faster than the speed of light. So we will never see it. When we say that the universe is 13.7 billion years old, all we're really saying is that that's how far we can see. Realistically, there's an unknown amount of matter outside the observable universe that is moving away from us so fast, its light will never reach us. Now, does that make sense? It's, it's almost as if it's, it's as if there, it's sending its light at a specific speed, but because it's being pulled in the opposite direction so much faster, that light can just never catch up to us. But that doesn't mean that I can't pull things closer to itself. And, and those things will pull things toward them and so on. So this is dark flow. And everything is moving toward this Shapley supercluster. Whether it's the supercluster itself or the thing behind it, we're moving there. <laughs> that it's as All of our models predict it. The same models we use for everything else that seems to be accurate predict this as well. Um, so how exactly do we know this, uh, this Shapley supercluster? I guess I didn't explain that. Um, there is a team at the University of Hawaii that created a map of every known galaxy in our cluster and mapped its location and the direction at which it's moving. So by observing the direction of every galaxy, similar to the CMBR or the Cosmic Microwave Background Radiation um, Experiment earlier, all they did was look at each galaxy and its movement and it pointed out a really, really orderly cosmic flow in a specific direction. So for some reason, all matter as we know it is being pulled into the Shapley supercluster. 17 clusters of galaxies and something massive behind it, maybe something from the Big Bang, another universe, who knows? I have no idea. But my goal for this episode was to fill you in that, you know, while... I don't know if you guys saw last night, but Elizabeth Warren came out and just roasted Bloomberg. We're, we're fighting about, you know, the craziest things in politics. And then whoever wins this will go on and they'll go up against Trump. We fight against that. We honk at people when we're driving. We, (laughs) I'm trying to think of some of the more superficial things. Obviously who leads our country is important, but we, we have all these small things that we do. Some of us do them for a greater good. Some of us do, us do them just because we're bored. Outside of our, our country, let alone our city, there's so many other people in this world having their own issues, their own worries. And then outside of our planet, there are trillions of other planets. Maybe some of them have life on them. Probably not, but maybe they do. And then outside of that, there's like an entirely different life happening all on its own on this cosmic scale. There's these filaments of galaxy clusters dancing in the voids of space and all being sucked towards one point 
of gravity. And that's happening right now as we know it. Um, So, I mean, if you want to continue to worry about things and you want to invest time in things that matter to you, then go for it. But I think it, it, it could do us good to understand how small we are and really how small some of our problems actually are. When in reality, um, I think that we're moving over 200 million miles per hour towards this unknown force. And I mean, to be honest, the universe is so big, it won't happen in our lifetime. So I don't really know what to leave you with there, but think about it. (laughs) Thank you for joining me on this episode. This one I did by myself. I didn't really enjoy it as much. I love talking to Uh, somebody and having different points of view and offering you guys different points of view don't get me wrong i enjoyed it but i i hope to provide some uh co-hosts from from joe or my friend stephanie or when flo comes back or whatever we may do Um, if you guys want more of these i i do want to stress how much i love doing this and i thank you so much for everyone that's supporting us already you can support me on patreon by supporting as little as a dollar a month And, you know, if everyone that listened to this podcast did a dollar a month, I might be able to do this full time, (laughs) which would be amazing. (laughs) But if you can consider just giving a dollar a month, um, then that would really go a long way to help me continue to do this both for your sake and for mine. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. We do uh, daily space facts. We do behind the scenes of podcasts and a bunch of current events as well. Um, So without further ado. Thank you for listening, and I hope to see you next week. Have a good day, everyone. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Roger, Tranquility. We copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That was definitely an e-ticket.